So if you guys have your Bibles, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, I'll be reading the story of one, um, one testimony in, in this whole book. Um, again, if you guys remember, Acts is a book about revival. It documents the explosion of the early, ch early church where 120 people become thousands and thousands. So th this is a time of great explosion. And in time of great explosion, there's one story that stands out. And that is the story that we'll be reading today. Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 9. Hopefully you guys are there by now. It's in the New Testament. It's after the four Gospels. And I'll be reading from the ES, no, NIV version. So chapter 3, starting from verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Amen. This is the word of God. Let me open us up in prayer before we dive in. God, we thank you, Lord, that, um, Lord, you are a God that lifts us up, Father, from where we are at, God, that um, those that have been crippled, those that have been paralyzed, God, that we can rise up in faith in you. Jesus, I pray that this morning as we dive into your word, that you would activate and ignite, God, a faith and a desire in our hearts to meet with you this season. Father, I pray for every believer and every person, God, in the Zoom call in our ministry, Father, that we would have the boldness to enter into your presence every single day. Jesus, we come to you with expectation. We come to you with hope. And we come to you, Lord Jesus, acknowledging, God, that you are worthy worthy of our lives and all that we can give. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I, I'm not going to give too much context to this passage because, um, like I said, the, the, this story falls in, in, um, in the middle of um, basically the biggest explosion of the early church up until that point. And basically what happens, Peter and John, these are prominent figures in the church. They're walking one day, they see a man that's been laid daily at the gate. He is crippled, he is lame from birth, meaning he was born without the capacity to walk. And if you just imagine, if you've been like in a routine before this man knows what it's like, Day by day, since he was a baby, he was laid out in front of the beautiful gate, in front of the temple, in front of the house of God. He was laid at this place to ask for alms. And basically what this means is asking for alms is asking for money to the poor. It's basically begging. It's basically asking for financial support so that this was his mode of survival day by day. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had a broken foot. I haven't, so I can't relate. I don't think many of us have 
are crippled from birth. I don't know if any of us have ever struggled or suffered from being physically paralyzed. And although I have never broken a foot, although I have never broken a bone, so I don't know exactly what this man went through, I know what it's like to be stuck in a routine day by day. Although I have not been physically paralyzed before, I have gone through seasons where I have felt like it was the same thing day by day, mundane, routine after routine. You're just stuck in the grind. Maybe it's just the grind of school. Maybe it's been quarantine. And I get the sense that not just in our lives, but especially in these past few months, I don't know how many of us have felt crippled and paralyzed by something in our lives. Maybe it's our circumstances. I think that's been a big thing that we've been talking about over and over again. COVID has been such a huge part of our lives. And I think for many of us, we have felt paralyzed. We have felt paralyzed and crippled, stuck and confined to our homes. I don't know how many of you guys during the vocal calls were the, where I just hear, man, I just wish I could go outside. You know, like my least favorite part of quarantine is just being stuck right um when i was when i was working and commuting you know y'all know i would say this all the time i hate traffic right because i feel i feel stuck you know i feel like i'm just in the same place i hate feeling like i can't move anywhere and i wonder how many of us whether it's in this season or at some point in our lives where we have felt crippled and paralyzed where we have been stuck in one routine day by day and it feels like no matter what we do it's the same thing day by day maybe so for some of us it's something that has happened to us in our childhood and no matter what season you go through in your lives you feel like this one thing that happened to you when you were a kid or maybe something a trauma that happened to you when you were young that has crippled you it has become a crutch you know for me i've always felt like my like i've my personality was my crutch. You know, you guys know that I grew up so shy. I grew up so um, timid. You know, I felt like I wasn't good with words. And so for the longest time, I was like, man, if only I was more outgoing. If only I was a little bit funnier, you know? If only I had a little bit more charisma, right? I feel like life would be so much easier, right? And for the longest time, I was like, man, like, because I grew up this way, because it's my personality, because I'm just a timid person, I made that my crutch. I made that limit to what I could do, how I could do it. Even the season, I felt so paralyzed. And so whether or not you've been broken a bone, whether or not you've um, been crippled for, from birth like this man has, has, even if you haven't, I think that if you have gone through life, even if it's just this past season, I feel like there's many of us who have gone through times where we have felt crippled and paralyzed. And this is where we find this man today. We find this man day by day being laid down. He can't even bring himself out. And he has come to a point where the peak of his life is receiving financial gain from people out of their pity and out of their mercy to survive. And this is where we come before, um, he comes before Peter and John and Peter and John looks at him and he, he's, it, it, it's like, you know, this like weird interactions that look at us, you know, he looks at them, he thinks they're going to, you know, give him some money because the people, religious people were known to be more generous. And so Peter and John says money and silver, I do not have, but what I have, I do give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. 
Now, um, and, I, and I've shared this before, but um, I've shared about how there have been times where on a mission trip or in seasons, you know, like we have different expectations of God depending upon our season. And I think for us, um, you know, when we're in missions or when we're at treat, there's a different expectation than when we're at home. I know I think the reason why Ecclesia Conference was so amazing for those that went to Ecclesia because for, for many of us, we did not expect to meet God through Zoom. Let's be honest. You know, like most, a lot of, I didn't even expect to meet God in that way through Zoom, you know? And just naturally as people, we have different expectations for different different things. We have different expectations of God in different seasons. And yet what happens in this time is that Peter and John break the expectation of this man, of his daily routine, because this happened not in the temple. This happened not in the middle of a sermon. This happened not in the middle of a crazy, like miraculous sign, but this happened outside of the temple of God. This happened just outside before the prayer meeting happened. Before they went, it was like on their way to the prayer meeting, on their way to the temple, they meet this man. And what they do in this time, they say, money and silver I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And it says, Peter takes him by the hand. He, he helps him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And I think it's really interesting that, that, like that in this very specific story, the way that the man enters into the miracle, Peter first addresses money. And Peter first addresses the things that, although we may not be beggars out in the streets pandering for money, I think he addresses one thing that we place high value in in the world. Because money at the end of the day is, has become a place of authority. For many of us, this is also the root of our parents' worries, you know. If they, like, at the end of the day, right, wanting to be successful, wanting to have a job, wanting to have a 401k, wanting to get into a good school, wanting to have jobs on your resume, wanting to have extracurriculars so you can have a good college application, so you can get into the school of your choice, what is that for? At the end of the day, it is so that we can have a sense of security that our futures will be provided for. And yet what happens is that I believe that Peter and John flips the value system and he says, money is not meant to be the value of your lives, but the true value can only come when we can enter into the temple of God. Because what happens is that he says, money and silver I do not have because the things that you think you have value in are merely scraps that the world has. And although we may not be begging, although we may not be in the streets, I think that many of us, we have started as believers, we have placed ourselves just outside of the presence of God, just outside of the temple. And yet we are begging for the world, what the world has to have. And let me say this, the highest things that the world has to have, the greatest positions, the greatest job, the best retirement plan, the best schools that you can get into, they are mere scraps compared to what God has. So although we are not be begging for money like this man, many times we have deceived ourselves into thinking that these things are so big. Education, good grades, position, jobs, a 
beefy resume, right? These don't feel like scraps. It doesn't feel like we're out begging for money, but let me tell you, in the kingdom of God, these are mere alms. These are mere coins compared to what the presence of God has. And I wonder how many times, how many seasons of our lives we have been this beggar. We have sat outside just a few steps away from the presence of God. And rather than turning into the presence, rather than rising up and taking steps of faith, we have allowed our circumstances, we have allowed our routine, we have allowed our value systems to turn our faces away from the temple to the world. And we find ourselves begging for the things that seem big, seem necessary, you know, not to diminish this man because for him, these alms up until that point were his mode of survival. But God calls us not to survive, but to thrive, not to beg, but to walk, not to, not to ask for alms, but to be the ones that give faith to the world. And I say this because I realize that even in my life, in this season, you know, we, we say it's been hard. It's been hard for me <laughs> personally. And there have been times where I have felt paralyzed by COVID, by my routine, by, by, the, by the authority of this world, where in reality, what, when I have placed value in these things, I stop placing value in God. But did you know that many of us, we are only a few steps away from entering into the temple, but we have become content with sitting just outside the beautiful gate and being just outside the presence of God, but not, never actually entering into it. We have been content with just, just coming to services, but never actually entering into the presence of God. We have become content with going to Friday fellowships, going to these things, maybe even reading our Bibles, but never really entering into the temple, never really entering into the presence of God when we think that we are so crippled. We think that it takes so much. We think that we need these things from the world. We need to build up our futures when in reality the presence of God is only a few steps of faith away when in reality what God has he meets us where we're at you know we hear that a lot God meets us where we're at come as you are God meets us where we're at but he doesn't leave us there and even as Christians our highest giving has become humanitarian work, just helping the poor. But in reality, we have been called to live in authority in COVID. We have been called to live in authority over our lives. We are not called to be paralyzed, but we are called to enter into the presence of God. And how did he do that? How did he break out of the mundane? How did this lame beggar become a worshiper? How did this poor and crippled man become a testimony of Jesus Christ? It's Peter. And he said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. There are two things that happened. Number one, Peter gave him what he had. Do you have what Peter has? See, Peter, if you guys remember, just a few weeks ago, I, I preached on um, Matthew 14, Peter walking in water. This is a passage that I think Pastor Paul also um, really loves to preach on. I love this passage. I share on this passage any chance I get. I love the story of Peter walking in water. But I think, I think that maybe there was something about Peter 
where he remembered what it meant to be crippled. Although he was not physically lame, he remembered what it was like on that storm in the middle of the sea on a boat where there was no way out. It was impossible for him to walk. And in that moment where no one saw, this lame man did not know Peter's history. You know, not lame, like, like, like emotionally, like lame, like physically lame. No, I'm not calling him lame. But this man, you know, the people around him, they did not know Peter's history necessarily. But Peter, I don't know, maybe in that moment, Peter remembered a time where he himself was paralyzed, was crippled by the storm. And he saw that Jesus met him and he took a step of faith. I think the reason why Peter knows the value of Christ and the value of walking in faith is because Peter himself had a testimony that he could give to others. Peter himself had the value of faith that had been built up, not just by crazy extravagant signs to the outside, but I think Peter knew what it like, knew what it was to say yes to God. I know the Bible is, um, only tells us certain moments of the lives of the disciples, but I wonder how many times Peter had to say yes to God in impossible circumstances. I wonder how many times Peter had to take steps of faith that felt impossible. I wonder how many times from the time where Jesus called him and said, come and follow me, let go of your nets and follow me, let go of your job, let go of your provision, let go of your money-making abilities and follow me. I wonder how many times where Peter, when Peter saw Jesus walking on water, um, Jesus said, come, and Peter had to lay down his understanding of nature, his understanding of logic, his understanding of the circumstances, his fear of the storm, his fear of death. I wonder how many times Peter had to lay these things down to walk for Jesus so that when he saw this man, he could see himself and say, I can give you what I have because I have laid it down before the, before the Lord. And the one thing I, I, want, I, I, I want to share with us this morning, I believe that God in this season is calling us to walk steps of faith so we understand the value of faith. And number two, when we understand the value of faith, we'll be able to impart it upon others. But in order to walk in faith, I believe it is tied to Thanksgiving. The crazy thing is, it says he went into the temple courts walking and then jumping and praising God. Peter was the one that helped him up. Peter was the one that extended his hand. It says he extended him by the right hand and helped him up in the same way that Jesus extended his hand and helped Peter come up out of the water when he was drowning. Peter was the one that took the first step, but the way that the man entered into the temple was through praising and worshiping God. See, the power of worship, the power of thanksgiving, the power of prayer is not just to make us feel better, but it is to say, I know the value of God. I know what it means to have to enter into the courts of God. You see, to having a heart of thanksgiving means to know the value of God. But how many of us in this time, in this season, we have grown grumbling? I have. How many of us have started to grumble in our hearts? Have started to become bitter and entitled? And many times we say, man, God, like I, I, it was so easy to meet with you before. Why is it so hard now? Why is it so hard right now to meet with you? I believe God allows us to go through these seasons because he wants us to know the value of God. There's one thing that in For Christ Missions, Pastor Paul saw, the CEO, he says, he says, salvation is easy, but spiritual growth is hard. Salvation comes as a free gift. 
And that's what many of us have experienced at identity retreat or mission trip or whatever it is. Salvation is easy. It's easy to get blessed because he gives it as a free gift. But spiritual growth takes giving your everything. Spiritual maturity takes giving your everything because your whole life, no matter what you're doing right now, you are sowing into something. There's no such thing as a neutral season. You are either growing or going away from God. And every moment of our lives, we are sowing into something of eternal value. And for us to grow spiritually, we must be able to give. We must be able to surrender. There are no shortcuts in spiritual walks with God. But in order for us to understand the value of God, we must understand, we must be willing to give. We must not take any shortcuts. It's going to be hard. There's going to be times where it feels mundane. There's going to be times where it feels like the cost is so big. But God does not do this to punish us, but because he knows his worth. I remember the first time I went on a mission trip to uh, overseas, right? In Panama 2011, I had just graduated high school. I became a Christian in middle school. So junior high, golden girls, biblical boys, you know, shout out to you guys because y'all were the age where I first encountered God. That's why I believe I love junior high house churches because I see myself in you guys. And that is when I met God, right? But I became a Christian in middle school, and yet, I, and and when I became a Christian, I started. I wanted to go to on a mission trip. I I really, really desperately wanted to do missions, right? But my parents never let me. So for about four to five years, I could never go on an actual mission trip. But I really, really wanted to, you know. And I think they were concerned for my safety or for whatever reason. But I would hear stories from my friends about going on missions. I really wanted to go, but it wasn't until I graduated high school was the first time I could go on a mission trip and that I remember for that this was like the biggest step of faith I had taken I said God if you want me to go to Panama number one you will let my parents bless me and number two you will provide for me financially right at first my parents said no and then they said yes so I was like okay amen right um, but the second thing I was like God you have to provide financially and so it was about three thousand dollars two to three thousand dollars to go to Panama bless you I just saw Alice sneeze I kind of said bless you Alice. It was about two to three thousand dollars to go to Panama mission trip. Now, for a high school student freshly graduated, two to three thousand dollars was more money than I had ever touched in my life. Okay, so I was like, God, like you must provide in some way. And I had no income. I was not working. My only income at that time was my lunch money because my parents gave me, I think, about 20 to 25 dollars a week to buy lunch at school. So I was like, okay, God, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to give my lunch money. I'm going to like fast lunch. I didn't even know what fasting was at that time. I was like, oh, okay, looking back, I was fasting, but I was like, I'm going to give up my lunch money, you know, and I remember like day by day, I would be asking for like quarters. So I was like, hey, do you guys have any change? I would ask my friends, you guys got a dollar. Sometimes they didn't even have a dollar to give me, so they gave me like 35 cents, you know, that they found in their wallet, and I'd be like literally like, yeah, the hustle life. I, I, I came to Panama with a box of coins, right? And a bunch of like $20, $5 bills. And somehow, some way, you know, for about three months, right? I gave up my lunch money and I was trying my hardest to raise up this $3,000 to go to Panama. I remember that just as a side testimony, none of my friends knew I gave up my lunch money. None of my friends knew that I was not eating lunch, but they knew I was going to Panama. And there was one day where I was in theater class 
okay, because I did theater in high school, and uh, I had said to my friend, like, oh, like, like a couple months ago, we were just talking, like, oh, I really like Cheez-Its, right, and one day, while I'm fundraising, while I'm fasting lunches, I show up to my desk, and there's a Costco-sized box of Cheez-Its at my desk, and turns out my friend was like, yeah, my mom bought these Cheez-Its, but I don't like Cheez-Its, and I remember that you like Cheez-Its, so you can just have this Costco-sized box of Cheez-Its, and I was like, dude, praise the Lord, he knows, and so for the next three months, I had a pack of Cheez-Its for lunch every single day, right? The Lord knows. He knows that, he, you know, he loves me, right? But that was, that was my Costco size. It was good for like a few weeks, you know? And I remember like day by day, I would just be counting like by the cent how much money I was raising. And this was not just a few months, but this was four years in the making. I was like, Lord, this is the first time I can go on an overseas mission trip. I'm going to make it worth it you know, and by God's grace, I had made the amount of money, I could just barely over like the limit, right, I had made the amount of money, and I had spent basically my spring semester working towards going to Panama, I show up to Panama, and you guys know, I grew up in a pretty conservative Christian home, and uh, I show up to Panama, and I'm just freaked out of my mind, and and I've, I think I mentioned this before, but there would be times where um, they did Jesus calls, right, but they're Korean, so they would say Jia, right, which is Jesus in Korean, but I didn't know that, no one told me that, no one gave me a manual, like this is the cultural terms that you'll use, <laughs> these are Jesus calls, like for us, a brother five raising our hand was like, getting a little wild, you know, like raising your hands meant you were like super charismatic, right, so yelling Jesus three times, and Jia three times, I was so freaked out, I was so confused. I was like, God, like, what, what did I get myself into? There were 120 people on that mission trip. It was sweaty. Our showers was water coming out of a hole in the wall that was kind of brown, you know, no, no water pressure, just trickling brown water that you had to like wash yourself in. And I was so confused. I was so like culture shocked. But I remember there are two moments in that, in that, um, in that mission trip. One I've shared before is when the lights went out on a village um, right before service started, right? And then we're, we're worshiping, we're praying, and they do a song called Bria in Me, Shine in Me, right? And at the chorus, this is dramatic thing, Bria in Me, and then the lights go on. It's crazy. But I remember there's one moment where it was after service one day, and we are doing, we're in the Panamanian church and the Panama pastors have us all come to the front. All the missionaries come to the front to get prayed for. And um, I'm the last person in line and, um, and I'm pretty scared because I've never, I'm still this con like conservative Chinese girl that doesn't know anything that's going on. Um, and he starts praying for people and they start getting slain in the spirit. You know, they start falling backwards. They start getting really blessed. They start crying. And I'm like, I get scared. I don't know if you guys have ever been in this setting where you see everyone else get blessed. And maybe if you've never been in here before, I'm like, am I supposed to fall? Like, is it polite to fall? Or like, is it rude if I stand? Like, I was thinking about the most random things. I was like, what if I don't fall? Like, how do you know? Does he push you? Like, is he like, you know, I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know what this is. I've never seen this before. And I'm looking and I'm praying, but I'm like, look, praying with one eye open. I'm like, kind of like checking him out, checking all the missionaries out. And he comes to me. And before he even touches me, the Holy Spirit comes and I get wrecked. And, and then I, and I find myself 
on the floor weeping and crying and feeling the love of God in a way that I've never felt before. This was the moment where I got baptized by the Holy Spirit, this confused Chinese Christian girl. And that moment, I'm, I'm, on, I'm sitting on the floor of that Panamanian church, and I feel the Holy Spirit fill my body. And I feel the love of God. And I feel him say, man, I know every worry. I know all of your questions. I, have, I know your anxieties, but I love you and I'm here and I'm yours. And that's the moment where I got baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that's when I started speaking in tongues and I didn't even know what was happening. And if you guys don't believe in the gift of tongues, it's in the Bible, <laughs> okay? And we could talk about it later, you know, more one by one, but that's when I started speaking and I couldn't even contain it. Before the whole time, you know, when anyone asked me to pray, you know, it'd be like, okay, let me think of the right words, right? Let me try to pray in a holy righteous way, you know? Let me like muster up all the Christian needs that I have, right? And just put them in a prayer. But in that moment, it was like, I didn't even have to think. I couldn't contain it. I couldn't control it. It was like my mouth was just worshiping God. And I was saying, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it was the most natural thing. It was like, man, I felt like I was made for this. I felt like I was made to worship God. And all of that striving up to that point, all of that working up to the point melted away when I was baptized and filled by the Holy Spirit, by the love of God. And I say, God, it took me so many years just to come on this mission trip. It took me so many like months trying to fundraise, but God, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what I have right now. And if I had to, if I had to do this my whole life, just so I could taste what I have right now, I would do many lifetimes over. I would wait. I would give up all my lunches. I would do whatever it takes. It is so worth it, Jesus, just to taste of this. I had no idea. I had no idea leading up to it, you know, with all the like fundraising, all the things. And in that moment, I felt like I was trying my hardest and I was. But when I got hit by the Holy Spirit, it was worth so much more than all the striving and all the giving that I could give it to that point. But in order to get to that point, I believe Jesus says, you must give, you must give. There's no shortcut in spiritual maturity but in order for you to understand the value of the Holy Spirit, you must be willing to give. You must be willing to take steps of faith, not to give out of your money, not to give out of what you have, but to give your heart. To give your heart. I don't know what Peter and John saw in that person to say he had the faith to be made well, but I believe that the currency of the kingdom of God is faith. The currency, the way that God operates he takes faith, faith in putting our hearts in the things that we have, faith in believing that God is worth it, faith in trusting that even in seasons of waiting, even in seasons of mundane routines, that when we give to the Lord, nothing we give to God is wasted. No season of sowing in the Lord is wasted. And when we understand that life of faith, praise and thanksgiving will be an overflow. It won't be something that we have to do, we have to be reminded of doing, but praise and thanksgiving will be the way that we enter into the presence of God. And what I wanna to say to us in this season is that if you felt paralyzed, 
if you felt crippled either by the season, by your circumstances, maybe by your family, by whatever it is, maybe you feel like this man day by day, it's the same thing over and over again. Let me tell you, it's not too late to start walking in faith today. It's not too late to rise up and to walk into the presence of God. And it may not look like going outside. It may not look like the things, sorry, my nephew died in the background, so if you guys hear him, excuse me. Um, but faith may not look like the things that you want it to look like. I'm sorry, if you guys hear my nephew, he's... <laughs> he's uh he's having his moment but he's okay he's just it's just echoes a lot but all i want to say as i close is to rise up in faith today this season have been, has been paralyzing for a lot of people and a lot of believers and maybe you feel stuck but the way that god calls us is to rise up in faith knowing that the temple of God is only a few steps away. Let's not be the believers that are content with sitting just outside of his presence, just outside of his temple and turning to the world and fixing our eyes upon the world. But can we be the ones to rise up in faith day by day, no matter what it is, whether it's reading the word, whether it's prayer, there's no shortcut to spiritual walk. You have to be the one to get up and to walk. Peter helped this man get up, but it was his worship, it was his thanksgiving, and it was his praise that walked him into the temple courts. Will you do the same thing today? Will you give your heart to Jesus Christ today? I don't care what you can or cannot do in this time. The way that God operates, the currency of the kingdom of heaven is a heart that is willing, a heart that has faith, a heart that believes in the value of God.